Hey church, we want to thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast. As always, we hope that it is of benefit to your walk in Christ. This podcast is available to you, hopefully to use as supplementary in your walk rather than your primary source of connection. Therefore, if you are not connected to a local church, we want to invite you to get connected to one. We would also like to extend an invitation to you, if you're local to Clatsop County, to visit one of our two locations, either in Warrington, where services are Sunday at 9 and 11, or our Napa location, which is Saturday evenings at 4.30 p.m. You can find out more information about who we are on our website at cconline.cc or view our previous messages on YouTube by searching Christian Church Warrington and Napa. As always, if you have questions, concerns, or prayer requests, you can always send those in to ccwarrantonnapa at gmail.com or give our office a call. Thank you again for listening. Let me take a little bit of time tonight to go through a part of the Christmas story. Uh, that's kind of a big reason why we're here, I suppose, is to reflect on this part of the story of Jesus, uh, his arrival, his birth. And last week here at church, we went through the first part of Luke chapter 1, where Gabriel, the angel, shows up to Mary, and really just an incredible situation that she finds herself in, and, and sometimes we need to be reminded of the background, right? She's a 15-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl. No offense to you young people in here, but you ain't ready for something like this, all right? I'm 40 years old, and I would not be ready for that level of an announcement, angel of God showing up in your situations, and guess what? You're going to be pregnant with the Savior of all humanity, Huh? And the reality, too, is she is in this relationship status with another young man named Joseph, and it's what's called betrothed, and it's a legally binding agreement that's like marriage without all the, and this is a kid-friendly service, physical intimacy dynamic of being married, okay? So Mary is all of a sudden pregnant, and Joseph knows full well that he didn't participate in that process. And so it's a really scary dynamic. And throughout all of Luke's, this whole narrative of this moment and this time, first off, he starts with John the Baptist's announcement, the cousin of Jesus. And his dad and, and his mom, Zachariah and Elizabeth, no offense to some of you all, but they're old, all right? Beyond childbearing years. In fact, and this sounds kind of rude, but they would refer to Elizabeth as barren. And so Angel shows up to Zachariah and says, hey, guess what? Elizabeth, as old as she is, she's pregnant now too. I'm like, wait, what? And he doesn't believe her, so he's made mute until John arrives. And that's all building up for that announcement to Mary to give her a little bit of hope, a little bit of assurance in the announcement that Gabriel's making to her. Gabriel shows up in a dream to Joseph, and that's really important to the story because Joseph had every right based on their law and their culture. And this is really brutal. He had every right to take Mary, that's now pregnant, knowing he didn't participate in that process, to bring her out in front of the whole town so that everybody could pick up rocks and throw them at her. Sorry, parents, you've got to explain that one to your kids later. Pretty gnarly scenario. But because Joseph now is on the same page, Okay, now we're working, and this is a big deal because, I mean, God's showing up to fulfill his plan that he's had for a long period of time. Look, I don't know if you could tell real well, but here in my Bible, in Luke, 
one of the first gospels. I mean, we're, we're right at the beginning of the New Testament here. We got this thick old part over here. That's mostly called the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, from the beginning of time all the way until this moment, there has been little sprinkles and little promises of God doing something to take care of the sin problem of, of the people he loves. And that was going to be bringing forth a Savior, a Messiah, this boy named Jesus. And so a lot's gone into this whole process leading us to this place and time and this moment. It's very specific and very particular, and a lot of things have to happen. And so we get ourselves to chapter 2 then, and this is when the goodness takes place. And so we start off here, chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when, excuse me, the names are terrible, Carinius, that's what I'm going with, all right? You could really butcher up that name. You can Google it later if you really want to know, but that's what I'm going with here. Carinius, okay, was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the, of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. All right, let's just pause there for a second. So at this point in time in world history, the Roman Empire is very vast. We could get nerdy on that. And there's this guy, Caesar Augustus, and he's really trying to figure out how to tax more efficiently. In other words, how to get more of your tax dollars. Hooray! That sounds exciting. And so he would set up this registry, the census, then within each little area and based on the culture and the practices and how that nation might have kept record of who was from where, he would set up this registry of the census differently. So for in Israel, they are a nation that is from one big family, really, 12 offspring that developed the 12 tribes of Israel, and they'd each go back to their, their home county and back to the, the county courthouse, more or less. That's really an oversimplification. But for Joseph, he is from the line of David, King David, a historical figure for the Jews. And that home area is a little town called Bethlehem. And this fits right in with this prophet, a, little, a few more pages back here, called Micah, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. He makes a promise, God does to his people, that from the town of Bethlehem would come the leader of his people. And this is Jesus, of course. And so this is all taking place according to plan from the line of David, this promised king to sit on the throne, Joseph going back. And, and I, I just got to be really honest with you. I, I like to get a little nerdy as a preacher on some of the Bible stuff. I'm just going to, so bear with me here, but I just can't gloss over this. They go to Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Sounds pretty awesome. I love bread. You can probably tell. When I was in college, there was a place in Branson, Missouri called Lambert's. It was the home of the Throat Rolls. Hallelujah, that place was awesome. You stick your hand up and bread comes flying at you. That's a house of bread. Anyways, sorry for the sidetrack here. House of bread, and why I think that's so fascinating is because when you start looking at the overall picture of the story of Jesus, we just spent seven weeks as a church going through the I am statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus identifies himself as something one of those things was, I am the bread of life. And so I like to get a little like, ooh, we're making connections here. He's born in the house of bread, and he calls himself the bread of life. I think that's pretty cool. You might not, but on we go. <laughs> and again, they're betrothed. So 
they're at this legally binding, practically married dynamic here in their relationship, but without participating in the offspring part. And she was with child, verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You've seen the cartoons, right, about this story? There's like all kinds of cartoons and movies that come out this time of year. We get like nativity scenes we set up in different formats and all this business. And it almost always seems to be the same like narrative that's told. Oh, this laborious journey from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem, which was a pretty good distance, don't get me wrong. Very pregnant woman riding on the donkey into town. I don't know if they get there late at night, but that's kind of the way they picture the story in the cartoons, isn't it? They come in late at night, and they're making their way into their obligation, almost ready to get birth. Mary over here, walk up to Motel 6 Bethlehem, and there's a no vacancy sign, and it's like, ah, what are we supposed to do? And they go in the door there, and the guy at the front desk is this grizzled old cuss, and he's just like, ah, we ain't got no room for kids like you. You know, sort of like that's what the cartoon pictures for us. That is so not what actually happened. It's hilarious. And I don't know why we get that like in my, oh, they couldn't find a motel in Bethlehem. So they made their way over to the barn, snuck in like rebels trespassing and just kind of gave birth right there where the, the cows were laying. And not, not quite probably like that. They were probably with some family. This was Joseph's hometown anyways, and the way the houses were built and structured at that point in time anyways was the downstairs, the very bottom floor, was like a carport garage area. You know, like we have some areas around here where new building codes dictate that the bottom floor needs to be a garage. And so they would bring the animals into that area at night, especially in the wintertime. One, to keep them warm. Two, to prevent theft. Three, it would warm up the house. So it wasn't unlikely then that there would be little troughs, we kind of call them mangers in this story, where you would put some feed in there so the animals could walk right over and start eating. They're like, hey, you know what? Mary just gave birth to this kid in the living room because we got people all over the place. There's barely any room for us to fit in the house. She just gave birth in the living room right in front of all of us in the middle of our Christmas party. It wasn't quite Christmas parties yet, but you know what I'm saying. What are we going to do with this baby? Like, what are we going to hold her all night? So uh, let me go downstairs, grab the trough up here, and let's, like, make it real nice. We'll put the baby in a manger. Wrap them all up real tight, swaddle them all real good, and put them in the manger. So that's kind of probably more or less what actually took place. Sorry if that's a real spoiler and a bummer for you, but that's, that's where we're at. So Jesus has been born. He's swaddled. He's laying in this little thing over here. The family is ooing and googling and all that stuff over Jesus. And all the while, we got this other situation going on a little out of town. Verse 6. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry. Weird. That, that's not normal. Shepherds aren't out at night usually watching over the flocks and the sheep. In fact, again, we just went through some of this stuff in the Gospel of John with the I Am series. John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, I am the door. You know, and he says those things. And so we had a look at some of that information. And at night, even if there were different flocks owned by different people, it was likely 
that there were communal sheep pens large enough to handle a couple flocks just for the sake of efficiency and protection. So at night, the shepherds would bring their flocks into the sheep pens so that they could be protected from thieves and from like predators and all of those things. And then they bring them out first thing in the morning to graze and find pasture and all of that. So it's really odd that they're out there. But here are these shepherds, probably because there's too many sheep currently in town with the census. Maybe, can't say this for certain, but maybe there's some extra sacrifices happening at this point in time. And so they're busy working through the night while there's a lot of people in town, in Bethlehem, tiny little town, overcrowded at the moment. And they're taking care of the sheep. And it's amazing that they get to be included in the story. And I love that. Because shepherds aren't spectacular people. This is a dirty job with Mike Rowe, you know? It's kind of a a little bit of an outcast, but yet it's a very important job in the culture and the society because sheep were very important. And very likely, not only did they raise them for the wool, but they raised them for sacrifice. And that might sound ridiculous and absolutely brutal and gross to all of us now, and I'm glad we can think that way. But in that time, in that place, this was their system of life and faith and belief. That they believed, like, as we lived our life and made mistakes and rebelled against God and we sinned and we chose things that weren't righteous and holy, we sinned and we had to do something about that because sin doesn't just go unpunished. Sin doesn't just get to exist in its own time and space. It has to be taken care of. There has to be something done for sin. The condemnation of sin is death. And so all the way from the beginning, God set up a sacrificial system that was complicated and hard to follow and very, very brutal. And yet, people would sacrifice blameless, spotless lambs for the sake of their sins forgiven. So all of that to say, they enter into the picture here in this story. And it's fantastic because it means... Jesus came and involved people like you and like me who don't seem to belong in the story of a divine, eternal king. And I love that. I love that I get to be included because there's nothing about me that's anything special. There's nothing about me that's majestic or spectacular. I'm just a regular guy, born and raised here in Clatsop County. Used to do the truffle shuffle so that people would like me, you know? I get to be involved in the story of King Jesus. It's pretty cool. So anyways, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Well, duh, a divine being showed up. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And I love that that note is included there. Because again, it's the same thing that's been going on so far in the Gospel of Luke. Is an angel shows up. It's a terrifying scene. He says, hey, guess what? God's up to something. You get to be involved somehow. But don't worry. I got a little proof in the pudding for you. I got a little concrete for you to stand on. I got a foundation. So there will be something to prove your faith to be true. And I just, all these fun little nuggets that you can pull out and hold on to if you really want to. You know, when God really calls you to something, to take a big step of faith, to get involved in big ways and what he's doing, there's probably going to be some proof in the pudding along the way. 
There's probably going to be a little something that he has in store. It might not seem big or flashy. I mean, this is a baby in swaddling cloths. It's pretty cool. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger, And when they saw it, they made it known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And we read this story and we skip right over that verse so quick. And I don't know what it is about that verse right there that's hit me the hardest. Maybe it's because we're so crazy busy all the time. Maybe it's because we got so many things going on in our lives. It's just on to the next thing. Check, check, check. We do this. Things come and go from our lives. Relationships come and go from our lives. We don't really take the time to slow down, pay attention to what's happened, and ponder. But what I love is the, the word for treasured there. It's like to find precious, to defend, to keep, and to hold It kind of, I don't know if this is true or not, and maybe it's stretching for me, but as I'm reading through this year especially, I just got this sense of like this incredible value that Mary placed on all of the things that had happened and were happening in this moment. She valued them so much. She kept them close. She wanted to hold on to it. She wanted to maintain it. She wanted to defend it. They were valuable. They were precious. She thought they were treasures, all of these things. And she pondered them in, our, in her heart. And I just find that phrase and that verse to be fascinating because for me, what I'm wrestling with now over this passage is, what do I really value in my life? What am I holding close? What am I holding on to? What do I think is precious? And that is a tough question for me to ask myself because I believe that what we value dictates what we do. What we value dictates what we do. You might not be able to express what you value most in life, but your life and your actions will show what you value. And so I think like for Mary, all these things going on, she's sitting here, she's soaking it up, she's enjoying the moment, this worship of her own son even, which is wild to think. And it just makes me think to myself, it makes me ask myself, how much do I actually value Jesus that I am holding on to him, gathering up him up, defending him, holding him to be precious, treasuring him in my life and what he's done for me? Because if I truly value Jesus for the precious gift that he is, not only that he was born in this moment, this part of the story, but the whole reason he was born was so he could live his life sinlessly and become the appropriate and effective and sufficient sacrifice for all of our sin. So not only could we be forgiven of our sin, but we could have eternal life. And more than that, we could be co-heirs with King Jesus in eternity It's pretty incredible. It's more than a a, a ticket into the park. It's an elevated status through what Jesus has done for us. It's pretty awesome. But do I value that enough? Do I hold it to be precious? Because if I did, it would really dictate the things I do. Even for a preacher, it can be really easy to go through the motions. 
do the study, give the sermon, go home, immediately open the phone. Oh, you know, church was busy today, two hours. I haven't looked at Instagram or Facebook. Oh, what NFL game's on today? I love football. How quick am I to just like move straight on to football? You know? Oh, maybe there's some little thing I want to do to my truck. Oh, it's time to go hunting again. Oh, those cookies look good. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, you know? But like, we, we get wrapped up in all of the little things in our lives that distract us and take away from really showing that we value Jesus. She ponders them. She treasures them in her heart. You could just see that she's holding this to be precious, defending it, holding it close to her heart. What we value dictates what we do. What are you valuing in your life right now? And you see... Some of this play out. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, he, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So again, just a little bit of note there on the way out the passage that people did something in response to Jesus showing up, in response to the events that took place. And I know we all have a lot of things to do. You're thinking, preacher, you're already getting long. It's a little warm in here already, and we're still going to have fire in the sanctuary. And we get distracted in our mind, like, well, i got to go on to the next thing, whatever it is, or tomorrow's going to be a busy day, or what are the New Year's plans before we get back into the school year? And you're going to be real quick to move on to whatever's next. Can I just encourage you to take a little bit of time tonight at least to ponder in your heart how much you actually value Jesus? Because what he did through coming and through dying and through resurrecting has the potential to change your eternity if you allow it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your love for us and what you did through sending your son Jesus. Not just for a cool Christmas story that we get to share every year for the fact that he became our savior, that he stood in our place on the cross. He, he became all of our sin. He paid the price. He conquered death through his resurrection. And he made us co-heirs with him in your kingdom for all eternity. So Lord, that's a lot going on that begins with a birth. And Father, I just pray for myself and maybe other people here are gonna pray the same thing with me but you would help me to evaluate the things that I value the most in my life and that I would live accordingly. And I just pray that if there's any way I'm lacking that I would bring up the value of Jesus in my life and live like him tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe. And to find out more about Christian Church, please visit our website at cconline.cc or visit our YouTube page by searching Christian Church, Warrington, and Napa for more video content. Have a great day.